Well, thank you everybody for joining us. I'm Father Chris Alar here at the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy for a very important weekend, a brand new talk that we're doing live here at the National Shrine. We're gonna be talking about Mary in the United States, a talk I've never done before and why it affects the whole world, not just the United States. So no matter where you're living from, we also, before we begin with the prayer, want to announce that we are doing the 40 hours devotion. So this is one of the only times ever, and if we could please silence our cell phones, please, thank you. But this will be one of the only times ever we do a talk with the Blessed Sacrament Exposed. So please don't send the bishop letters and, and my provincial, uh, I would greatly appreciate that. Uh, this was completely cleared, um, approved by our, our provincial as part of the 40 hours devo uh, devotion of 40 hours continuous of um, adoration. We wanted to continue the talk series as well. So we will respectfully still continue to have our blessed sacrament exposed while giving this talk. So God bless all of you for being here. Let us begin with a prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Our Lady, Mother of Mercy, our Lady, Patroness of the United States, pray for us, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, today's talk is very important because the date, July 2nd, is very important. It's one of the most important days on the whole church calendar, and nobody knows this. I didn't even myself to just recently. Do you know the United States was not independent on July 4th? That's actually a misgiven date in history. It's actually July 2nd. And so let's look at our next slide. Here's a picture of the founding fathers of the United States. And uh, please pray that they don't become victims to cancel culture. The, the first way you want to wipe out a civilization is to destroy its history. That's the first way to wipe out a civilization is to destroy its history. And that is what people are trying to do with the history of the US. Now, officially, the United States Congress declared freedom from Great Britain on July 2nd, 1776, not July 4th, July 2nd. They voted on independence on July 2nd. So they voted that we are to be free. So the group though needed to draft <clears throat> a document explaining this to the public. So it proposed a draft and through a committee led by John Adams and Franklin and Jefferson, it took two days for them to edit it. They finished on July 4th. That's why we celebrate July 4th. Thomas Jefferson is the main author of the Declaration of Independence, but independence was declared on the second. Now let's look at our next slide. <clears throat> Here is the Declaration of Independence. <clears throat> and I apologize for my voice. 
Once the Congress approved this declaration on July 4th, after the edits were done, it was sent and 200 copies were printed with John Hancock, his big name on it, right? Only 26 copies remain. This is why I always find it fascinating when big news article that somebody finds a copy posted to the back of a painting at a garage sale. I'm like, well, I thought they had the Constitution. There actually were 200 of them. Actually now, or the uh, uh, Declaration of Independence. Now actually there's only 26. And so this is very powerful. Now, August the 2nd is actually a very important day because you know that's actually when it was signed. The Declaration of Independence was actually fully signed on August the 2nd, not on July 4th. July 4th is when the edits and the document was completed. They actually didn't sign it to August the 2nd. So this is when it was officially signed. 56 members of the Second Continental Congress did this in Philadelphia. So it's one of the most important but least celebrated days. But it all begins <clears throat> with July 2nd. What's the date today? July 2nd. July 2nd. Now we're going to tell you some fascinating stuff. Our Lady, Patroness of the United States, since 1847. All right. Well before 1776, people celebrated the Immaculate Conception and the Feast of the Immaculate Conception with a lot of joy. Let's take a look at our next picture. Where I'm from, Michigan, there's a place called Marquette. It's named after Father Marquette, who went and discovered the Mississippi River. You know what every textbook will tell you the name of the Mississippi River came from? The Indian word, Mississippi meaning great river, hogwash. Way before that, the river was called the Immaculate Conception River. The Mississippi River, <clears throat> called the Immaculate Conception River. Now let's look at our next slide. Our Lady of the Immaculate Conception is the patroness of us, the Marian Fathers. And if you are a Marian helper, you get her protection too. By the fact that the decree of the Holy See you are part of our Marian family as a Marian helper. And if you're not a Marian helper, it doesn't cost anything. It doesn't take any time. Go to micprayers.com. M-I-C, Marian, Immaculate Conception, micprayer.com. Become a Marian helper. And Mary, I'm asking for you to get through me this talk because of my voice. <clears throat> so under that title, she also became the patroness of the United States. People don't know this. 175 years ago. This is amazing. So 15 years after the founding of our nation, all right, <clears throat> the Holy See established the Diocese of Baltimore. That was the very first diocese in the U.S., Baltimore. That included all 13 colonies. John Carroll was the bishop, and he knew he had to bring unity to the United States. It was all fragmented. He had all these different regions. And he says, I gotta bring unity to the United States. Unity to the United States was not through wars. Unity of the United States was not through trade. Unity in the United States was through the Blessed Mother, through our Mother Mary. 
And so the church then began to grow. Many new dioceses came. And then in 1847, Mary, under the title of the Immaculate Conception, became patroness of the United States. Now, listen to this. That decision, this is fascinating. We all hear about the dogma of the Immaculate Conception, right? Well, listen to this. The decision by the American bishops in this tiny new nation went to the Holy See, and guess when they gave their approval? To make Mary the patroness of the United States, Mary Immaculate Conceived, July 2nd, 1847. So another huge reason this date is so important. Now, get a load of this. <clears throat> Pius IX used that inspiration of the American bishops to declare the dogma of the Immaculate Conception in 1854. People don't know this. What are the, the Marian dogmas? Mary, the mother of God, Mary's perpetual virginity, and Mary immaculately conceived, right? This is powerful. And that dogma was issued by the Holy See because Pope Pius was inspired by the American bishops. America has led the way to Mary's protection of freedom. And now this is in jeopardy. Now, what happened? In this apostolic constitution, in Ephabilis Deus, that defined the dogma of the Immaculate Conception, it is said that the strong devotion to the Immaculate Conception in America played the major role in the Holy Father's defining the dogma. Wow. That's amazing. So then, 100 years later, Patrick, uh, Cardinal Patrick O'Boyle of Washington consecrated the United States to Mary. And let's look at our next slide. Amazing. The Immaculate Conception Basilica in Washington, D.C. finished its completion. It was completed that same year. You can't, you can't make this up. This all comes together so beautifully. Now, why do I bring all this up? <clears throat> because pray, no matter what country you're in, America falls, the free world will fall. I promise. And we don't want that promise fulfilled. Pray, please. The United States remains the leader of the free world despite our brokenness, our stupidity, a beacon of hope. But more than any time in our history, our country it needs our prayers, <clears throat> our leaders who have turned away from God, starting at the very top levels of our government. We need prayers. Therefore, let us ask with renewed fervor the patroness of America, of the United States, to help us, to intercede for us to protect our country and defend freedom, not just in the U.S., but around the world. Now, one of the ways you could pray for the United States, Father Kaz wanted me to always promote, and I do, I love to promote our apostolates, the Mother of Mercy Messengers, Joan and Dave Maroney. Our Lady of America is something that they've promoted. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But you can visit them. Um, in fact, Divine Mercy for America 
is a movement they're doing. The next one will be the 54-day rosary starting August 15th to October the 10th, uh, 17th. I'm sorry, October the 7th. So what a powerful 54 days. You realize what that is? August the 15th is what? The Feast of the Assumption. And October the 7th is what? Our Lady of the Rosary. So this is beautiful. All right, now let's go on and talk a little bit more about Our Lady Immaculately Conceived. All right, our nation's patroness has been honored by a lot of art, but there's one work, one piece of art that depicts Mary Immaculate in a special way connected to the Marian fathers and to you as part of our Marian family. Well, Father, I'm not part of your Marian family. Yes, you are, because you're watching. God brought you here. All right, Our Lady Immaculately Conceived by Francis Schmugelwitz. All right, <clears throat> let's take a look at this. Here's the image on your screen. <clears throat> and for the people here, you can see this beautiful gallery-wrapped image. All right, now, it hangs inside the church in St. Vito in Rome. It's been there for decades. And the Marian fathers reproduced this, paid for it. It's an amazing image. We have prayer cards with it, pamphlets. But it fell into disrepair, got discolored and whatnot. So the pastor at St. Vito's in Rome restored the painting with the help of the Marian fathers here in the United States. Now, St. Vito's goes all the way back to the 8th century. Check this out. And that parish was the home to the Marian fathers at the time of Napoleon. Napoleon came in and kicked out the Marian fathers. That's quite an example that we can say that we survived Napoleon. Napoleon came in, kicked out the Marian fathers. And so this was, we were there from 1779 to 1789. What happened in 1789? French Revolution. I just returned from France. 4% of the country. Talk about a country that used to be a bastion of Catholicism. A country, the first daughter of the church, and actually standing for freedom is France. So we include in these prayers, prayers for France. Prayers for France, very important because the enlightenment is anything but enlightened. The enlightenment was really the dark ages because it said, we don't need God. We only need man and man's reason. Well, anyway, Napoleon came, French revolution. <clears throat> they kicked out the Marians. We had to abandon this painting. All right. So then Mark's going to put it back up on the screen again. I want you to see this. Then it was completed in 1782. This is before they came. Look at this beautiful painting. Now, the Marian Fathers, we actually make these right here. We don't send these to China. These are made right here. And you can see the gallery wrap. And on the screen, you can look. Brother Mark's going to keep the painting up on the screen. But here are the people in the shrine. I can show you the gallery wrap. These are handmade here at the National Shrine. Our seminarians, myself, cameraman Giuseppe, we go down, sometimes late at night, we make these images. 
You want one of these images? I will personally bless it. But we are trying to get America protected. Protected, yes, protected. And this is one beautiful way to do it. On the bottom it says, the Immaculate Conception, patroness of the United States since 1847. These are canvas, waterproof, UV protected, beautiful. And so this is a tie to the Marian Fathers, a tie to the United States, a tie to freedom, no matter where you are. And so it was completed, this golden background. See the golden background? All right, that donates Mary's glory and holiness. Then it's juxtaposed with her blue. Look at this blue here. This is beautiful. She's clearly depicted as the queen of heaven, stepping out on the serpent, you can see it, <clears throat> whose influence she is free from. You want to know where the Immaculate Conception is in the Bible? Genesis 3.15. Complete enmity between Mary, the mother, and the serpent. If Mary had any sin, even the smallest amount, if somebody says to you, show me where the Immaculate Conception is in the Bible, see Genesis 3.15. I don't see the name Mary. Well, come on says the woman who will give birth to the man who will be the savior of the world. Come on, who is that? Jeez, you don't have to read very deep. So, <laughs> sorry, I just get, I get excited about our faith. <clears throat> so, then it says that there will be complete enmity if Mary had even the slightest stain of sin. If she was not immaculately conceived, if she had original sin, that would mean there was not complete enmity between her and the serpent. Even the slightest stain of sin, you could not see this complete enmity. So this is what people understand. It's all in this image. All right, so she breaks this. So Mary is a symbol of the Holy Spirit descending upon her. You can see that, right? And the Holy Spirit descends down upon her showing that she is truly blessed among women. So let me show that slide up on the screen to the beautiful people here. I just took three dozen of these over to the gift shop. Well, actually my assistant Peter did. I can't take credit. He, he took them over there. So we just took for you here. You can go over there, please buy them up. We're going to make more. And you at home can get it right there on your screen at um, our, our phone number is listed there. Keyword patroness, if you go to Shop Mercy or our phone number, 800-462-7426. And I tell you what, my staff's gonna kill me again. But if you really are praying for the United States, if it really means something to you and you can't afford it, I will buy it for you and send it to you. That's how important this is to me, just like I said with the Divine Mercy image. I feel this important. If that's the case, contact my assistant, Peter. Peter, and he can be contacted, it's easy to remember, Peter James at Marion.org. Beautiful, beautiful stuff. All right, let's continue, because there's a lot of great stuff here. How many Marion apparitions are approved by the church? Anybody? Hundreds. But most of those are approved by the local bishops. Only 16 in the history of the church are approved by the Vatican. 
Now that doesn't mean all the others approved by the bishops are not good, as good as the 16 approved by the Vatican. It just means those are the 16 that the Vatican has gotten involved with and they recognize. Five of them are in France. Now, how many are in the United States? Anybody? One. Wisconsin. And that's not one of the 16 of the Vatican. It's one of those that were approved by the bishop. Let's talk about this. It's called Lady, Our Lady of Good Hope. I've been there twice. Both times I went there, I began my talk on divine mercy and all the electricity went off. It was completely pitch dark inside the shrine. So we did that. Father John Brazard, a wonderful father of mercy, said, man, how are we going to get around this? So he invited me back up the next year. I said, Father, it's never happened before. We'll do it again. We'll get you up here. Got a big group in there. I set everything up. We start our talk on divine mercy and all the power goes down. The devil has control over electronics and technology. This is why we got to pray. Okay, well, let's, let me finish, please. The devil has power that is allowed him by Jesus Christ. The devil right now's time is limited. Jesus's time is forever. It's eternal. Satan's is not. God has allowed Satan a time. That time will come to an end. For right now, he's using it. He does not end up victorious. We know this. But he will use it. Don't fall into his traps. Trust in God. Stay the course. So this Our Lady of Good Help is interesting. It's the only approved Marian apparition in the United States. So let's look at our next slide. <clears throat> this is a picture of it <clears throat> with approval from the local bishop, David Ricken of Green Bay. Great bishop, by the way. He, this is a chapel in the town of Champion, Wisconsin. It's the only approved Marian apparition in the United States, approved by a bishop. Now, let's go to our next slide. On December the 8th, 2010, the bishop decreed with moral certainty that the Virgin Mary had indeed appeared to a Belgian immigrant, a woman named Adele Breeze, on three occasions in October 1859. There she is. You see her? Boy, she looks pretty tough, doesn't she? She is really tough. So since 1861, the site of those apparitions, they built a chapel. And it was dedicated to Mary under the title Our Lady of Good Hope. Now, good help, I'm sorry, good help. Now, during each of these three apparitions, a lady in shining white clothes appeared to Adele. The third time, she identified herself as the queen of heaven who said to pray for sinners. All right, now, listen to this. She said, I wish you to do the same. Mary told this to the 28-year-old woman, Adele, who had wanted to become a nun before coming to America. She instead lived in a small homestead there in Wisconsin. Now, what did Jesus tell Faustina? 
every day at the three o'clock hour to pray for what? The conversion of sinners through his passion. So Jesus told St. Faustina, this is one of the most important things you can ever do is daily at the three o'clock hour, pray for sinners, the conversion. How do we do that? Oh, blood and water, which gush forth from the heart of Jesus is a font of mercy for us. I trust in you. That is the conversion, the prayer for conversion of sinners. Very powerful. So Mary gave her a mission. <clears throat> Gather the children of this wild country, the United States, and teach them what they need to know for salvation. Fear nothing. I will help you. We need to do the same today. Our country has become wild again. It's like the frontier. So anyway, she became a third order Franciscan. She went around the, 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 uh, the whole uh, frontier instructing people. We need to do this today. Now, here's what's interesting. Near the chapel, her community of Franciscan women, she was third order. There was a school. Then a fire hit and burned everything in the area except the chapel, the school, and the convent. Everything else was burnt to the ground except the chapel, the school, and the convent. It's the only thing left standing. That itself would seem miraculous. So then in 1890, they renamed the town she lived in, which was Robinsonville, and they renamed it Champion after the Belgian town. There's a Belgian town in Belgium named Champion because that's where she was from. Now, Bishop Ricken said that her life was a real testimony to validate this apparition. Now, she didn't call attention to herself, but she devoted herself to doing what Our Lady asked. There was countless of answered prayers <clears throat> and miracles. Now, one of the connections was with Lourdes, because at Lourdes, she said, I'm the Immaculate Conception. That was the beginning of Mary's life. And right after Lourdes, this happened. She appears as the Queen of Heaven, which is the end of her life. So it encompasses all the Marian mysteries in between. So this is absolutely beautiful. So let's watch a real short video. This is only 50 seconds. Let's watch this short video of Champion, Wisconsin, the only approved Marian apparition. You guys. Washington and Our Lady of America. So welcome back, everybody. That's just a quick, short video. That's just a quick, short video. I don't know if it worked or not. Hopefully you were able to see it. But I also want to show you the next slide 
because I'm going on a pilgrimage there this month. And if you can join us, up on your screen is a slide to the shrines of Wisconsin. And I'll be joining Steve Ray. Steve Ray will be there from July 27th, 28th, and 29th. They're going to visit all the shrines. I will be joining at the end to do a talk. And I'll be up there with you on the 28th and 29th of July. On that screen, if you would like to join me to the pilgrimage in Wisconsin, you can call Peter, my assistant. The phone number is there, 413-298-1303, or email him again at peterjames.marion.org. Hope to see you with us at the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help. Now, we're going to do two more, actually three quick more, beautiful effects of Mary in the United States. You ever hear of Mary of Agretta? Very powerful. Brother Mark used to read her stuff. I think he still does. Let's take a look at the next slide. She wrote a book about visions of the Blessed Mother called The Mystical City of God. All right. And this venerable Mary of Agretta reportedly bilocated to the Indians here in the United States. This is fascinating. In the 1620s, this is when the pilgrims were just landing, right, at Plymouth Rock, having their Thanksgiving. The Jumano tribe in Texas were reporting a mysterious encounter with a lady in blue. Now, most all you're going to think when I say that, Mary. Ah, actually, it was a young lady dressed in a habit with a blue cape appeared to these natives many times, speaking to them in their native tongue about Jesus. Now, she lived in a cloistered convent in Spain. Sister Maria de Agreda started reporting having these visits to these Indians in New Spain. That was Texas at the time. And when she came, she encountered them and she encouraged them to go to the missions where the Franciscan priests were to get baptized. 2,000 of them did. So something happened, all right? And she earned the name Lady in Blue because the Indians reported a woman wearing a blue cape. Now, Maria of Agreda, she belonged to a Franciscan order of nuns called the Concepcionistas. This all ties to the Marians of the Immaculate Conception, Mary Immaculate Conceived, patroness of the United States. All of this ties together. Well, they wore a white habit with a blue cloak. Now, from her cloister, she mystically traveled the world. And Maria was able to describe everything about the new world, the plants, the animals. And she even explained how the people dressed she could have never known this, but she got it exactly right. Now, what's remarkable is that she described meeting a leader of the Indians with one eye. She couldn't have known this. And the Franciscan priests reported working with the native leader who had one eye. Now, her goal was to get them baptized. So 
a lot of people say, well, gee, isn't it Jesus or Mary who appears or maybe a saint from heaven? No, sometimes saints living on earth have appeared. Remember Padre Pio? He's a good example. Now, as I said, she wrote that book, Mystical City of God, where she writes all about Mary and her prayer to her. She saw Mary in prayer. Like I said, Brother Mark, it's one of his favorite books. So I have a lot more on that, but I'm running out of time. So we're going to finish with the last two big ones. Our Lady of America and George Washington. All right, <clears throat> let's look at our next slide. Our Lady of America. Now, this, this one is complicated. I am not going to give you all the details, it's impossible in the few minutes I have left. But I want you to know what's going on so that you can pray. Now, Bishop Rhodes of Fort Wayne, South Bend, Indiana, and five other bishops have concluded that Our Lady of America, which took place about six decades earlier, was not of supernatural origin. Okay, that doesn't make it condemned because there was nothing in the message that was contrary to church teaching. They just said it wasn't supernatural. So while private devotion, inspired by reports of the apparitions, they said can continue without harm to the faith, Bishop Rhodes said it would not, though, be appropriate for public devotion. Now, if you are hearing about Our Lady of America, you probably stand on one of two sides. One side says, what in the heck is wrong with our bishops? Process Mary into the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception, as she said, as she requested, and all the problems of the church will go away. All the problems of America will go away. Maybe not all, God allows us trials but the graces will be huge. The other side says, nah, we can't because Bishop Rhodes and some other bishops says it's not supernatural. Well, here's what is known. Bishop Rhodes said, <clears throat> I must come to the conclusion that the visions and revelations themselves cannot be said to be of supernatural origin in the sense of objective occurrences. But, and in, in other words, we cannot approve support or public devotion. But, he said, they're good. There's nothing contrary to the faith. The investigation concerned the apparitions of a sister Mary Ephraim Nuzel, or named, birth name was Mildred. She was a nun, a sister of the most precious blood of Jesus, one of the big devotions. In Dayton, Ohio, recently, between 1956 and 59. Remember Our Lady of Good Success? It said it was the end of the second half of the 20th century that the church in America would fall apart. I think this is why this apparition has purportedly happened. So anyway, the report is Mary appeared to Sister Mary Ephraim and identified herself as Our Lady of America. Now, before she died, she wrote that a statue 
of Our Lady of America has to be processed through the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Divine Mercy in Washington, D.C. That statue is the official statue. For a while, we Marians had it in our house. Incredible. Now, there are 72 shrines of Our Lady at the National Shrine in Washington, and not one is dedicated to the patroness of the United States. There's the patroness of every other place, the patroness of the Fiji Islands, but there's no patroness of the United States. This seems odd to me. Odd. Now, concurring with the conclusion of Bishop Rhodes or five other bishops, I need to say this, Bishop Schumer of Cincinnati, Vigneron of Detroit, Thomas <clears throat> Olmsted of Phoenix, who's a very good bishop, by the way, Doherty of Lafayette, Indiana, and Bishop Thomas of Toledo, Ohio. They said that it doesn't appear to be supernatural. Now, in a document called Statement Regarding Devotion to Our Lady of America, these six bishops signed it and said that this sister appeared to have been honest, morally upright, psychologically balanced, and quote, devoted to a religious life without guile. They also said there were spiritual fruits that came from the devotion, although that none of them were considered supernatural. The bishops said that this was not, there was not any doctrinal error. Now, I keep thinking all this. Well, if you keep hearing all this, why did they not approve it? They said there was no doctrinal error except one thing. Bishop Rhodes was quoted as saying the error for him was Joseph was called a co-redeemer. And that that was an error. Actually, Many theologians have responded, the church fathers called Joseph a co-redeemer. So it's really not an error. So if this was the error that prevented this apparition, oh my, heaven help us. I don't know. I'm not on the commission. I'm just telling you what's been reported. The church fathers used this to describe St. Joseph. Now, while saying that such experiences were authentically grace moments, they were, quote, subjective ones in which her own imagination and intellect were engaged, not objective visions and revelations of the type seen at Guadalupe, Fatima, or Lourdes. So Bishop Rhodes said, therefore, I must come to the conclusion that the visions and revelations themselves cannot be said to be of supernatural origin in the sense of objective occurrences. Non constat de supernaturalitate. I cannot approve public devotion. The bishops agreed. However, however, many of the prayers and religious articles, such as the medals, have been given approval by competent ecclesiastical authority 
And the use of such materials can continue, the bishop said, as a matter of private devotion. Now, here's where I'm going to get into controversy. But I'm only going to give you the facts. I'm not giving you opinions and I'm not telling you what to believe. Remember, no private revelation has to be believed by Catholics. All right? None. But John Paul II, Mother Angelica, Father Apostoli, Cardinal Burke, and two people I trust very deeply, Karen Japson, who runs John Leaps, and Joan and Dave Maroney, Mother of Mercy Messengers, all support Our Lady of America. So I started digging in deeply. I've been on the phone. I've been reading documents coming back from France on the plane. And I found this out. And especially talking to Kieran Japson and Joan Maroney. This nun's spiritual director, Archbishop Leobold, Leobold, gave it an imprimatur. Now, please, don't write a letter to my bishop saying I'm going against church teaching. This is easily referenced fact. Her spiritual director was the bishop, the Archbishop of Cincinnati. It was his jurisdiction. And he gave it an imprimatur. So a lot of theologians have questioned, how can these other bishops override that? Once the local bishop has given his imprimatur, you don't override that. So the original imprimatur was given. I find that very fascinating. The archbishop said, and here's where I think the whole key. Now, I'm just, I'm just guessing here, but I can give you what my personal opinion is. This Archbishop Liebold said, I am unable to make a judgment on the supernatural nature of the visions or the apparitions. I believe that they took that to mean they're not supernatural. When he said, I am unable to make a judgment on the supernatural nature, actually that means I'm not sure it's supernatural. So therefore, they declared it not supernatural. But actually, I came across and confirmed that actually there's three types of supernatural occurrences. What he says, I'm not able to make the judgment on the supernatural nature. I believe he didn't know which one of the three. So in other words, it's supernatural, but I just don't know which kind of the three. Sometimes they're locutions, sometimes they're actually physical apparitions. He wasn't able to determine. Now again, if that's the case, wow, we could be missing something really huge here. But we gotta be obedient to the church. Now Cardinal Burke, who I respect immensely, weighed in on this. Let me read you his quote. Cardinal Burke supports this ministry or this devotion. And, and stated, I've always wondered about the relationship of the devotion of Our Lady of America, which is Our Lady of Guadalupe, to the devotion, I'm sorry, Our Lady of America with the devotion Our Lady of Guadalupe. And Archbishop Liebold raised the question to Sister Mary Ephraim 
To which she responded that Our Lady of Guadalupe is Empress of all of America. All right? Whereas Our Lady of America, the Immaculate Virgin, this Our Lady of America, the Immaculate Virgin, is patroness of our nation, the patroness of the United States, and the two go together. Now, Our Lady of America ties in with all of this, but I cannot promote it because it's not officially been accepted by the church, but I am allowed to say questions are raised. So the question has become, is there some internal force trying to stop this aid for America? I don't know. Now, I will say this. Next week, I will be doing a talk on Freemasonry. Not making any connections here, but I will be doing a talk on Freemasonry. Now, I want to make it for the public record. If I disappear, <laughs> I did not run away. If I am found dead, I did not commit suicide. And if all of a sudden you read that Father Chris committed some huge scandal, could be false. Just please pray for me. Please pray for me. Please pray for our country. Okay, so that'll be next week. Now, let's finish. I'm a little over already. George Washington. George Washington, let's show our last slide. You ever hear about the vision of Valley Forge? That's one of my favorite paintings in the world. See that painting? George Washington's kneeling next to his horse at Valley Forge, praying. This was very, very powerful. Now, Charles Wesley Alexander wrote this in 1861. We have been unable to verify it. Some people call it a work of fiction. Some people call it completely made up. Other people say it's true, but it just took decades to get it down, kind of like the Bible. Because it passed in tradition. I cannot say this has officially been proven. I cannot. Again, some say it's made up and call it complete fiction. I was unable to verify it. But others say it's true and it's been passed on by tradition. But I want to finish with this at the Winter of Valley Forge. The story of Washington going out into the woods to pray in secret for aid and comfort from God. He saw a woman. He never said it was Mary. But I'm going to finish reading this account. It's about one page and we're done. It's fascinating to me. George Washington said, this afternoon, as I was sitting at the table, something seemed to disturb me. Looking up, I beheld someone standing opposite me, a singularly beautiful female. So astonished was I, for I had given strict orders not to be disturbed, <clears throat> that it was some moments, after, some moments before I found language to inquire the cause of her presence. I was unable to speak. 
A second and a third and even a fourth time, I tried to repeat my question, but received no answer from my mysterious visitor except a slight raising of her eyes. By this time, I felt strange sensations spreading through me. Now, if you just joined us, this is the words of George Washington purportedly. Many say it's false. Some say it's completely made up. We've been unable to verify it. Others are saying it's tradition and it did happen. I would even risen from my chair, but the riveted gaze of the being before me rendered it impossible. I tried once more to address her, but my tongue had become useless, as though it had become paralyzed. Presently, I heard a voice saying, son of the republic, look and learn, while she extended out her arm. Before me lay spread out in one vast plain all the countries of the world, Europe, Asia, Africa, and America. I saw rolling and tossing between Europe and America the billows of the Atlantic, and between Asia and America, the Pacific. At that moment, I beheld a dark, shadowy being, like an angel, floating in midair between Europe and America. <clears throat> Listen to this. Dipping water out of the ocean in the hollow of each hand, he sprinkled some upon America with his right hand, while with his left hand, he cast some water on Europe. Immediately, a cloud raised from these countries and joined in mid-ocean and then moved slowly westward until it enveloped America in its murky folds. I heard the smothered groans and cries of the American people. A third time, I heard the voice saying, Son of the Republic, look and learn. I cast my eyes upon America and beheld villages and towns and cities springing up one after another until the whole land from Atlantic to Pacific was dotted with them. This is the development of our nation, the groaning of the pains to develop our country. Again, I heard the mysterious voice say, son of the Republic, the end of the century cometh, look and learn. At this, the dark shadow angel turned his face southward and from Africa, I saw an ill omened specter approach our land the inhabitants presently set themselves in battle array against each other. I believe this is slavery. As I continued looking, I saw a bright angel on whose brow rested a crown of light on which was traced the word union. Bearing the American flag, which he placed between the divided nation and said, remember, ye are brethren. This is the Civil War. Instantly, the inhabitants, casting from their weapons, became friends. 
Freedom for all. That's the end of the Civil War, the end of slavery. And once more, the United Nation, united around a national standard. This is exactly what happened. Now, this was written in 1861, so even if it's made up, it's pretty prophetic because the Civil War hadn't even happened yet. And again, I heard the mysterious voice saying, son of the Republic, look and learn. At this, the dark, shadowy angel placed a trumpet to his mouth and blew three blasts and taking water from the ocean, he sprinkled it upon Europe, Asia, and Africa. Then my eyes beheld a fearful scene. From each of these countries arose thick black clouds and were soon joined into one. Could that be the one world government? Hmm. Throughout this mass, there gleamed a dark red light. China? by which I saw hordes of armed men coming from the red light who moving with the cloud marched by land and sailed by sea to America. Our country was enveloped in this volume of cloud and I saw these vast armies devastate the whole country and burn the villages, towns, and cities that I beheld springing up. As my ears listened to the thundering of the cannon, clashing of the sword, and the shouts and cries of the millions in mortal combat, I again heard the mysterious voice say, son of the Republic, look and learn. When the voice had ceased, the dark shadowy angel placed his trumpet once more to his mouth and blew a long, fearful blast. I'm almost done. Instantly, a light, as of a thousand suns, shone down from heaven above, and pierced and broke into fragments the dark cloud which enveloped America. At the same moment, the angel upon whose head still shone the word union, now it's being torn apart. And who bore our national flag in one hand and a sword in the other. Could we please turn down the cell phones, please? Who had a sword, a national flag in one hand and a sword in the other, descended from the heavens, attended by legions of white spirits. These immediately join the inhabitants of America who I preserved were overcome. Could we please turn down our cell phones, please? Who we perceived were overcome, but who immediately taking courage closed up their broken ranks and renewed the battle. Again, amid the fearful noise of the conflict, I heard the mysterious voice saying, son of the Republic, look and learn. As the voice ceased, the shadowy angel for the last time dipped water from the ocean 
Wow. And sprinkled it upon America. Instantly, the dark cloud rolled back together with the armies it had brought, leaving the inhabitants of the land victorious. Yes. Then, once more, I beheld the villages, towns, and cities springing up again where I had seen them before, while the bright angel cried with a loud voice, while the stars remain and the heavens send down dew upon the earth, so long shall the union last. Praise be to God. And taking this from his brow, the crown on which blazoned the word union, he placed it upon the standard while the people kneeling down prayed amen. I found myself once more gazing upon this mysterious woman who in the same voice I had heard before said, son of the Republic, what you have just seen is thus interpreted. Three great perils will come upon the Republic. The most fearful is the third, but in this greatest conflict, the whole world united shall not prevail against her. Let every child of the Republic learn to live for his God, his land, and the Union. With these words, the vision vanished, and I started from my seat and felt that I had seen a vision wherein had been shown to me the birth, progress, and destiny of the United States of America. God bless America. God bless. Beautiful. Again, I know I'm going to get letters. I know I'm going to get it. And I know you're all going to say, Father, that has not been officially verified. Let me please say it again. I realize that. But this has become tradition. Our own faith is filled with many acts of tradition that are not always verifiable. And so I finish with a quote from Claudia Pemberton. I come from a military family. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is just about gone. I come from a <coughs> military family. <clears throat> and she said, America without her soldiers would be like God without his angels. Let us pray <clears throat> on this 4th of July for all those who went before us who gave their lives for the ultimate freedom that we can be here today, worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless everybody. Now we're going to shut down. Brother Mark's going to end this talk. I went way too long. I apologize. We're going to end this talk. And then Brother Mark's going to put us back up on. And we're going to begin the first Saturday's devotion. So if you're joining us online, Brother Mark's going to shut it down. We'll come back up. Please join us. If you're here with us at the shrine, please as well stay with us because we're going to come back in just a few minutes. Thank you and God bless you and God bless America. 
please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign-up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you.